Welcome to Jive Performance. I'm your host, Tom Shea. I'm the co-founder of Agile Media Group. Today, we're joined by Anouk Gottlieb and Noah Wunsch. Wunsch? Um, so Anouk <laughs> is the CEO of Belgian Boys. Uh, they're on a mission to create whole ingredient foods with European twists so families can prepare less, smile more, and indulge better. They're in the business of fun and offer their delicious products in over 7,000 stores and online. Anouk leads a passionate team dedicated to growing more than just a revenue-driven business, creating joy for customers, bringing sweetness in people's lives. Belgian Boys is, without question, a company with happiness baked in. And um, Noah Wunsch is the founder of Ruby. The line of drinks is a refreshing option that sits between the description of functional water and plant water. It is the first hibiscus-only hibiscus water and delivers great health and taste components. Guys. Welcome to Driving Performance. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so, yeah this is so fun. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I start off with the same question every time, because a lot of people are going to be on audio only when they're listening in. What the hell is going on right now? How would you describe the situation? Well, we're in this like glass box, <laughs> which I've never sat in one. There's like Nathan's hot dog stand yellow cabs and like the whole city is here so it's quite like hard to describe right i, I honestly when you asked what the hell was going on i thought you meant from like a global macro economic <laughs> perspective and i was gonna be like not a lot of good things yeah it's not, not good right now we're Tom. just talking about world peace beforehand it, it good yeah, yeah it's not there right but now. yeah i'd say nook you you described it <laughs> <laughs> all right so nook now um do you guys know each other i know you do how do you know each other? Is there a story there? So take us back to how you guys met, if you remember how you met. And Nook remembers better. I remember the tidbits after, but she like she immediately was able to call who introduced us. So I'm, I'm going to let you start it off. Okay, I, I had to like think really, really <laughs> back, but actually it's my friend Jessica. We'll give a shout out to Jess. Jess from Kimai. She okay. has a lab-grown jewelry brand. She's amazing. And she introduced us, mm -hmm. and it was in the pandemic. Okay. And we had coffee. Another shout out, blank first screen. First there was a phone call. Oh, first there was a phone call. I was unloading oh my, my God. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. We have a phone call. Yeah. He's like driving this car and I see like 25 cases <laughs> in the back and he's like, let me pull over for a sec. And nothing's changed, right? You're still doing that. I, unfortunately, nothing <laughs> has changed. The more things change, the more they stay the same, Tom. Yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. I think you were on the way to like, I don't know, Whole Foods or the well, warehouse. Well, we were pre-launching. That was pre-launch, right, 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 right. so we were going to the warehouse. To the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, and I was literally like, I was calling you to be like, so tell me how I do this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And she did. Right. It's yeah. working great. Yeah. So. yeah it works and, out. And, and then we went to grab coffee and then... Yeah. Friends ever since. Friends forever. Yeah, awesome. So there's going to be a few stops on this route as we are in a truck. Mm -hmm. um, so stop one is going to be sort of origin founder stories. Stop two is going to be some brand specific questions that I prepared for each of you, sort of round robin style. And then stop three is going to be sort of like thoughtful brand intersection questions, things that um, as we're doing some research, you guys might have the same take on, different takes on, but a question that can be asked of both of you at once. Then segment four, stop four, is what we're calling the hot box, and uh, I'll leave uh, I'll leave that one unknown for now for the audience. Then stop five is the literal end where uh, we get off the truck. Aww. So, um, stop one, origin stories, and I want to start with Noah. And I sort of want to I don't know take the proverbial red pill and and go down the rabbit hole. It's the red pill, blue pill. We, I think we, I think it's the red pill. I think we, I think we're Neo trying to figure that out pill. before this. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah. And um, so like from the beginning, who is Noah? What sort of early experiences shaped Noah? And how and why was Ruby launched? 
Oh man, it's a big question. Yeah, man. sorry, I know that got, got a little profound pretty quickly. I also feel like we do have to kind of start off by saying that when we say red pill, we don't mean it in the like super right conservative mentality. Oh, God, of the red yeah. pill. Just that's. I think it's important. They should have picked different colors. It might have been like orange yeah. and pink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or ruby. Ruby and pink would have wow. been great. Yes. I'm a born and raised New Yorker. So I'm glad to be in this truck yeah. in New York City. Feels pretty authentic. It to feels me. extremely authentic. <laughs> um, I grew up downtown, so a lot of like just downtown went into Ruby. Like right. that all just got infused into this weird little brand universe that we've built. Um, but professionally, I, I don't have any through line to my professional career, which is what I like. I started in media at the Paris Review, running business development for them. Before that, I was in editorial. After that, I was in fashion media. After that, I was in startup tech. After that, I was at Sotheby's, which makes me sound a lot older than I am. <laughs> yeah, but it just means I was just like a really ADD yeah, kid. Right, like I was right. like every six months, I was like, change my job. <laughs> Um, That's like status quo now too. Absolutely, right? yeah. People, if you're over there for like two years in corporate America, you're sort of like a die now. In, you can, in the you can tell when people start losing their edge. Yeah. When you're like, I don't know if you're as into this as you used to be because you're getting a little tie tie. Um, but yeah, it was at Sotheby's that I, I started making it hibiscus at home for me and my wife because I realized everything I was drinking was full of sugar. So I wanted to have something that was very flavorful um, but didn't have so much sugar in it. And hibiscus does that. Did you have a specific uh, crutch that you were, you know, a oh, specific? Like a million crutches. You mean like sugar crutches? Yeah. Yeah, all of them. I have I have a terrible sweet tooth, so I have a very good diet. Right. But there was a moment, and this is like a shout out to Hallie Meyer over at Cafe Panna. Um, I became addicted to her ice cream. Mm. Like it was an actual problem. Like I, it was. I remember one specific day where oh, I we're went sh out. We're shouting her out though. Yeah, we're <laughs> shouting <laughs> in New York because we're, we're her addicted. Out. We're addicted to it because it was the greatest <laughs> ice cream in the world. But yeah. I woke up, and this is like every night I would stop by with Kelly and be like, "Should we get some pints tonight?" And yeah. she'd be like, "Don't we have three pints in the fridge?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, but there are new pints every day. We don't want to miss it." Is that um, what they did? Like different drops? Yeah, they do different drops every wow. day. And they're and it's the creamiest ice cream. But Kelly was out of town. Okay. So Kelly left me alone with pints of ice cream. Dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, little espresso and ice cream for breakfast? Like, that sounds oh nice. God. Like, let's do that. That seems like pretty European. Yeah. It was, yeah. And I was like, cool. <laughs> then I had lunch. Yeah, then I had lunch with some friends. And all I could think about during the lunch was how I needed to have ice cream after it. So I went home and I had more ice cream. And I was like, well, that's it for me then. Like, no, I'm not going to have dinner. I'm not going to have anything. Then I went to dinner. And afterwards, all I could think of was like, well, you've already gone this far. So I had more ice cream after it, and I got sicker than I've ever been in my life. Oh, yeah. Which is not, it's not Hallie's fault, it's my own fault, because I ate yeah, far too much ice cream. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just an example of like, this is why I had to get off sugar. Like, I can, I can go down the rabbit hole now. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hibiscus helped me get off all that sugar. And that's, you know, that's the origin of Ruby. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Um, why hibiscus? I think it's really interesting you talk about its its tartness, but its ability to, to have that like sweet finish. And so yeah. that is like the catalyst. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing is if you literally search the definition of sour versus tart, tart is defined by having just a little bit of sweetness to it. Like that's the only difference between sour and tart. The tartness for me became way more addicting than the sweetness that I was used to. So I just started craving the tart more than the sweet. And then I started researching hibiscus and found out about all the amazing functional benefits. It's full of antioxidants, it's full of electrolytes, full of vitamins. 
Um, so here we had this this ingredient that had functional oh, benefits. <laughs> there we go. Take a sip. Um, that had functional benefits, had big flavor, and had white space in a category. The category right. hadn't been built or developed. And hibiscus as a search trend, literally just using Google Trend Search, right. you'll see hockey stick growth for people searching for hibiscus. Yeah. So it took me 18 months to convince myself to do this. I was like, I don't need to start a beverage company. And what, would your, what was your wife think through all this? My wife's the best woman in the entire universe. <laughs> she's amazing. She's yeah, she's the greatest. And I, we your just like pleasant company excuse. Pleasant we, company we excuse. just like get her. Out? Should we you honestly you out? should. <laughs> Kelly's way cooler than I am. Like Kelly's just the most supportive, wonderful human in the world. I wish she wasn't. In retrospect, I wish she was like maybe this <laughs> is a dumb idea though. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe maybe you want to think about this a little. She was like, no, this is great. I love the beverage. Let's do this. <laughs> so electric. yeah, she's yeah. she's the best. And then, real quick, before we get to Anouk, um, talk about the branding. I think there's a pretty fun story with Moy Tolmer and yeah. the original renditions and, and things like that. So, can you take us through the evolutions, I guess, Many before you went, yeah, before you, I guess, was it before you went to market or during? Yeah, yeah, before. I yeah. mean, we've gone through a lot of design duration, but for, if you want to just zoom in on that can. Available Ooh. everywhere now. Ooh. <laughs> um, but we started in a glass bottle. You know, we were a still product to begin with. And we started in a glass truck. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I started working with Maury Talmore, who I've known forever. When I was in fashion media, I worked for this very cool downtown magazine called Bullet. And Maury was like the creative genius of Bullet. And he's also a very zen dude. Like, he's he's... You can have very cerebral conversations with Maury, which is why I love him. Um, so as soon as I knew I was doing Ruby, I was like, Maury, you're my guy. And we went through really intense sessions, first with the name Iggy, um, and that didn't work out because Iggy's Honey Brew Kombucha has the trademark on Iggy's. Shout out to Iggy's Honey Brew Kombucha. We're just <laughs> shouting out homies yeah. now. It also rhymes to Siggy's. Yeah, so. it did rhyme with Siggy's. Yeah. Was that intentional? The the no the Siggy's no. Iggy. no 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 it was brought up no, yeah. like it was for Iggy Pop I love Iggy Pop like that ass um, yeah yeah but seriously <laughs> I the essence of the brand I was like I wanted to feel like Iggy Pop Fall right. in Love with Me by Iggy Pop is like one of my favorite songs of all time um but yeah that didn't work out so but they had done all of this work on Iggy so we had to pivot to Ruby which okay. totally makes way more sense for a million reasons. But the brand brief I had given him as that downtown New Yorker who worked in fashion and Sotheby's, uh, asshole, um, <laughs> yeah, was I like, I, I want this to be subversive. I want it to be cool. I want it to be downtown. I want it to be like the Dover Street Market of beverage mm -hmm. brands. And they were like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and I remember Maury, like, he, he went into his like creative hole for like six weeks. And he came out with this design, and he was like, I'm ready to show it to you. And he showed it to me, and it was awful. Oh, yeah. he, he had given me exactly what I asked for. Like, it was, it was super cool, was super it, subversive. When, and when you say awful, is it like, describe that a little bit? Because, well, you know, I, yeah, I, I like, haven't seen yeah. it, so I'm curious oh, what I, I awful your definition is. I think we posted it way back is. when. We posted it way back when. It's just, and by the way, like, it got a lot of likes, and Maury was like, see, it could have worked. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was like ultra-minimalist. Okay. It looked kind of like probably what was going on in hip-hop albums at the time. Got it. Um, but like the branding was tiny on it. Like it was hard to read things. Um, it just, it almost had this weird, like, the only way I could put it is like underground pizza aesthetic. 
Like, if there was, like, a dope pizza shop... I can't wait to add that into the podcast where it just flash frames to some, I'll, I'll, you really, some, We'll give you the image of it. You can, see, you can see what it looks like. Like, if there was, like, a sick pizza spot that was, like, a speakeasy pizza sto- shop in New York City... <clears> there should that be version of Honestly, Ruby, sure there are. You guys want to quit our jobs and just say open that? If it doesn't I'm exist, looking for any shoot, out. Right? <laughs> um... It, Ruby would have been served there. Got it. For sure. Yeah. Got it. But With I have the old design or the new design? The old design. I mean, the new design too, oh, but like in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had an existential crisis and breakdown from that. Um, and As one does. Yeah. Fully like went into just like a black hole um, and emerged. <laughs> the falcon. <laughs> the phoenix from the ashes. Um, and realized that again, like the, the point of the brand isn't exclusivity it's accessibility right um right you can, design design for like a bigger tan yeah right? <laughs> yeah yeah something that feels friendly right and like you can be cool you can be cool and right. accessible like that that's what nike does it's aspirational accessibility absolutely um or accessible aspiration um so like we just went back to the drawing board with the word friendly and that that changed everything and then there's the Ruby verse, but that's a whole other. Yeah, whole we'll, other we'll get to the Ruby. Yeah, we'll verse. get there, man. And then yeah. Maury do the second iteration as well. He did, yeah. But we also worked with an amazing illustrator, Robert Beatty, on that. Okay. And Robert is known for his work um, doing album covers. So oh, he did the cool. album cover for Tame Impala. Oh wow! Uh, that's a my morning that's a, jacket and the weekend. <clears throat> Damn. Yeah. That's a, that's sick. I didn't know that. I didn't know that fact. That's cool. I, I got think you. It, I think it's so interesting also because. If you think about it as founders, you always tend to like complicate things. I remember also, also by us in the beginning, you're like, it needs to be cool, it needs to be this, it needs to be that. And you think about yourself and not about the consumer. And then you're like, well, how would somebody think about it when you see it in like a Whole Foods or in a right. Target? And putting that consumer eyes on it, like you're not the consumer. It doesn't need to be cool for you. It needs to yeah. be you're so right. I, for your audience. I think in, you know, <laughs> I'm very active on like CPG Twitter and stuff. And like, I think there are some of those echo chambers of people like, this is cool for our small little group. Yeah. But you're in consumer where we're literally like a drop in the bucket in terms of if you need to, if you're going to try to make like a big business, you need to go mass market and you sort of need to get out of your own lens and get into the consumer lens. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. But yeah, I am. Um, you know, no, I've always thought this is one of the most unique products in honestly like a very crowded space, but um, I've never had anything like it. And I, I think it's it's incredibly well made, not from a branding perspective, but there's almost like brand in the liquid color to yeah. me, where like it's so unique and just not like anything else I've had. So an awesome product, but I want to switch gears to a no. Yes, um, we should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Belgian Boys has one of the most incredible origin stories, and <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Um, dates back to a plane ride, and you know, yeah. I gotta be honest. Listening to it, it, it almost feels like it could be turned into a movie. There's elements of romance, nostalgia, hard work yeah. paying off, and, and hopefully continuing to pay off. But before we even get there, let's start from the beginning. What were you doing before Belgian Boys? And can you tell us about how that plane ride, yes, I think yes. for like a job in the fashion industry, has led to Belgian Boys at 7,000 well, plus doors? Well, I like that movie. Maybe one day we can make that come true. We have right? the like, crew hey, right hey, here. Do you want to stand It's called The Wedding Singer. Greg? We already saw it. The Wedding Singer, he, Greg had the guitar. It was oh a good God. vibe. Well, were you I there? Mean, 
I wish. No. <laughs> it's like, damn, you guys are better friends than uh, I thought. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm from Belgium. You hear it from my accent, right? I don't. I'm not a born and raised New Yorker. Um, I love New York. I live here now, and I mean, New York for me was like the American dream. You know, I grew up watching Friends, and like wanted like that was the cool <laughs> thing, right? So, you live in this small town in Belgium. A small town city in Belgium in Antwerp and my passion was fashion. I love fashion design, I grew up in that world and after I went for college in fashion design and then I came for an internship to New York City. I was like... The dream. Yeah, I was like in my... I was 21 years old, super excited to be a fashion designer. I uh, worked at Zach Posen, Donna Morgan and I met a guy on a plane. So Greg and I knew of each other because okay. we're both from the same city in Antwerp and the same community, but we didn't know each other, so we did for five years. So when he went to Boston to college, I was like 13 years old. I was like, you know, a kid. Yeah. And um, we recognized each other on the plane. Okay, I'm going to tell you my version. He has a yeah, different yeah, yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. We'll have to get him on and let right? him sling it. Well, he's like, oh, cute girl. In the well, okay, my version. I met him on the plane, and he's like, uh, wanted to start his company uh, because basically after college, in college, he was just schlepping suitcases with his waffles that he loved for himself to enjoy the cookies, the waffle, the treats. <laughs> yeah, 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 taste of home. Yeah, and the American friends, like in the dorms, were like, oh my God, this is so freaking right. good. It's like us bringing bagels to literally anywhere. <laughs> right, and, and it's like, well, now I bring bagels back to Belgium. When yeah, I yeah, 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 I don't blame you. And uh, it's like, this is good, where can we buy it? And you couldn't find it in the U.S., all these treats, this quality, like the butter, you know, in Europe, it's like the more butter, the better. Right. And it just makes you happy and like maybe I should start a company and do this. And uh, so he's telling me that I'm just like, you know, well, not far from here, 42nd Street um, and uh, 7th Avenue. And at night, helping my boyfriend to like, in my words, design clothes for the waffles because I'm like, can't just put a waffle in a wrapper on the shelf. And so we're like, let's make it look good. It's America, you know, Hollywood. You gotta tell a story. People wanna know what it's all about, not only the product that it is. And that's what we did. And that's how Belgian Boys was born. I was just helping my fiance, boyfriend, who then became my fiance. And then, honestly, fashion was just super toxic right. of a world. It's like, you know, I was working, I think, eight to eight, being treated, you know, I mean, fashion. Yeah. It's just, you're kind of disposable. I um, picked up dog poop. Um, yeah, I inventorized buttons. Like, you got, got a big, big bucket and, like, inventorized. Not as, not as glamorous as that 21-year-old's had, had in her right. head, I'm sure. Well, it, well, you know, one story. I was uh, at um, the, in Belgium, in fashion, at the, it was the designer for the royal family. And the queen now was back then the princess. And so she was coming every month to, like, choose right. her wardrobe. And um, I was there behind the scenes, just, like, you know, looking. And they're like... She was hungry, and so she needed a salad. So I go get a salad. No, can you get a salad? I'm like, sure, I'll get a salad. Which salad? Whatever. And it was like literally like on the block, 
And I get the salad and like literally 10 times, they go, where's the salad? I'm coming! And I'm like running <laughs> in the middle of Brussels with the salad for the princess. Um, anyway, but yeah, so that was my fashion background. I loved what I did. I really enjoyed what I did, designing, the creativity. But I didn't like the industry. It was so toxic. And that's also, I think, when I left, Greg's like, why don't you do this with me? I'm like, I don't know, with my fiance. It's like, uh, you know, this is quite important for me, this relationship. And we said, let's give it a try. And honestly, for me, it was like, well, if we do this, let's make it into a happy thing, like somewhere where I can come and enjoy, have fun. I mean, we're going to make waffles and pancakes and <laughs> cookies. Like, if we can have fun and make it happy, like, there's a problem. Right. And actually, happiness and sparking those moments of joy has become our mission. That's our why. That's the reason for being. Because life's hard. Right. And, like, a cookie doesn't have to be, yeah. right? And, and Anouk, you, you talk, and it's interesting, right? Like, there's actually a bunch of people in business together as family. And so, Kim and Vanessa from Amsam, Chris and Greg from CrossNet. So, you have one of you know, it's, I think from a public perception, it's a counterculture take, but it's, it's funny that seems to work so well. Um, talk about working with your husband, because you have a really, I don't know, like beautiful take on, on why it works. Yes. I mean, listen, obviously it's like, you know, you work with your husband. It's not always, you know, we scream, we get upset, but I think in the beginning, actually, we were doing everything together like check this email what do you think of this what do you think of that and right. i think then you get on each other's nerves and we got into a point that it was hard to have a conversation about the business until we actually got an, uh, my brother tricked me into a session with it was in the middle of the pandemic i told you this story mm -hmm. right and my brother tricked me into a session with a mindfulness coach uh, both of us so it's Corporate okay, mindfulness together. together. He said, "Yeah, you need to talk to, to somebody about your business." It was a Sunday morning. My brother's like, "I'll watch the kids." That's weird. Yeah, okay. red flags going off and everywhere. So, <laughs> and so we go on the on the on the uh, like call and we're like, "Hi, so this is Belgian boys," and she's like, "Talk to me about you." And I'm like, "What the hell is going on here?" Were you getting ready to pitch? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "Belgian boys and waffles and cookies and." Anyway, changed our life. Like bringing mindfulness and into our life has changed everything. And it's that moment in time that I understood that out of everyone in the world, Greg is the person I trust the most. He's my person. And we might not make the same decision. We might not agree on what is right, but I trust him to make the decision for the right reasons, because we have the same vision of what success and what it is that we want to do in life. Our goals in life and our goals in business are aligned. And I think that you don't always have that with other co-founder dynamics at every point in time, because I would say other co-founders started in the dorms, like two friends, right. one goes and gets married, there's kids, the other one is a bachelor, works very hard, the other shifting. one I need to... And priorities shift. And with Greg and me, like we know, like our kids are a part of the business. The kids think their last name is Belgian boys. It's like <laughs> the funniest, also a bit weird, but like very, it, it's a part of who we are. I mean, yeah. I wear pink all the time because you I are. love it because it makes people smile. Yeah, it does. And it looks great on shelf too, which is a Thank nice you. side perk. But the characters have names, right? 
The characters do have names, so the, that's Chubby and that's Skinny. Um, that's Greg, actually, and <laughs> Skinny, so it's two friends. Greg started the business with a friend. We love him. Yeah. Um, he uh, is now less involved with the business, and I took over, because behind the boys, there's, you know, yeah, for a sure. girl. Um, and yeah. Did you name your kids after the... Uh... I didn't, but you know what characters? <laughs> so a lot of people ask us, why characters? Right. And Belgium actually has a very big uh, comic. Um, really? Okay, I didn't so know that. Tintin, he's Belgian. The Smurfs are Belgian. So we grew up with like... The Smurfs are The Smurfs Belgian? are Belgian, I promise. Google it. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. I'm just shocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tintin... Tintin I'm less shocked about. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we grew up with that. It was really a part of our culture. And so when we did the logo, it was really clear to us that it would be an like. A, a character that eventually we can also bring to life. Yeah. Are you, um, I'm surprised you didn't have people at Expo West just in straight up handlebar mustaches running around with cool top hats. Yeah, well, <laughs> next year. Next season. <laughs> I think your, your bright pink booth does the trick. That's I think, I think, that's I think that stands out better than probably, like two dudes yeah. with handlebar mustaches. Yeah, yeah they've been like, oh, those are just guys from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> so. You mean to tell me that I can integrate my shop with you in less than a minute? You store all my inventory across your 50 plus fulfillment centers in the US, Canada, UK, Europe, and Australia, and then fulfill all of my orders globally with over a 99% order accuracy rate? That's right. We do that for over 7,000 brands today. And you can do that for all my D2C, B2B, and Amazon orders? Yep. And when my next TikTok video goes viral or during the holiday rush, you can grow with me forever? Yes, again. Dang. That's the ship, Bob. Check out ShipBob at ShipBob.com to unlock your fulfillment provider that acts as your personal chief supply chain officer. So stop two on the route, brand-specific questions. And no, I want to start with you um, and just go deeper down that rabbit hole that is the Rubyverse. Let's go, man. <laughs> so it all, you know, I was doing all the, the sleuthing online stuff. It all feels like one crazy fever dream but but in the best way possible and you brought fun and I think unique brand to a tr what's traditionally been like a really sleepy functional category and you know the, the branding is unlike anything I've seen as is the Rubyverse and like the only the thing that my mind goes to when I think functional is like Soylent which is like <laughs> I mean you've seen that yeah, branding it's the most it's minimalist, like, it's the most minimalist. Yeah. or like when you think of our performance sneaker it's like a picture and then all sorts of specs of like yeah. all the performance stuff and so you've you've been able to sort of merge those like functional elements with fun um without being like i don't know extremely in your face about all those functional elements so might be a little bit abstract and better after the hot box section section but can you describe what the rubyverse is and from a, a strategic perspective why did you start the Rubyverse? Yeah. And um, are, 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 we in the, are we in the Rubyverse? Like, we're not in the Rubyverse right we're now. We're not right no, now? No, no, no. Right now we're in a truck. Okay, that's they, fair. <laughs> we're in a truck right now. Uh, but if you're drinking Ruby, a little bit of the Rubyverse is inside of you. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It's just yeah. nice, right? Yeah. Um, so the Rubyverse, I, I always say that there's like the literal manifestation of the Rubyverse, which is a sci-fi universe that we created around Ruby. And Ruby is the weapon that is against the great vanquisher of planets known as sugar. So the Ruby knots and all of the creatures in there like Zobo and all these creatures that we have created within the Rubyverse 
are trying to fight this evil being that is slowly going from planet to planet killing people. Which is a little darker when I no, put it that way. No, but it's also true. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a, it's an epidemic, to be well, honest. The whole thing is like, very, very sincerely with, with, with Beverage, what I found that was frustrating for me is everything says better for you. And they're, they're putting that on because of the functional benefits, which are there for the most part. In some cases, they're not, and they can make claims or they can right. get sued. Mm. Um, but it's a dangerous thing to say better for you if, if you're really not better for you. Um, we are living in, in a pandemic of our own where, where obesity and diabetes is rampaging the United States. And the key driver of overconsumption of added sugar is beverage. Period. Like sugary drinks are driving the overconsumption right. Way more of added than, like, sugar. Way more candy and stuff. Way more. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's wild when you look at the data that like fifty percent of what we're consuming that goes overboard on the added can, uh, added sugar side right. is beverage. Um, so while while it's dark that like we're trying to fight the forces of sugar, we really are trying to. And right. the other part that a lot of people don't know about is the, the non-nutritive sweeteners. A lot of people call those natural sweeteners. So I think like that's fruit and stuff? monk fruit, erythritol, mm. stevia. Right. I think natural sweeteners is a dangerous thing to call them because it sounds organic and it's not. They're non-nutritive sweeteners, i.e. you get no nutrition from those sweeteners, period. Um, and also, how long have we studied those? You know, I, it's well, sort of I mean, like one of those limited sample set things where you yeah. might turn the page on the next generation and be like, oh, that was cigarettes. Oops! <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sorry. that's... It, I, I try. I'm not saying it's cigarettes by any means. Yeah, no, what I, I am saying is like the what most people don't understand is the magnitude of sweetness on your palate for the non-nutritive sweeteners is usually exponentially greater than organic cane sugar or fruit juice. So you can be like, oh, I feel great. I have stevia, and this is better for me because my body breaks it down in a different way. Mm. But the fact is it's training your palate by being about a thousand times sweeter than sugar to want more sweet things. Mm, it's one of those things, like, besties, do either of you guys like hot sauce? Love it. No, yeah. I can't. Once you start going, you gotta keep I'm going. I'm obsessed with hot sauce. Yeah. And you just, you know, it starts first, like you, you have a dab of sriracha, and you're like, oh my god, that's the spiciest thing ever. And then just and now you just freaking, like, you now can't put it's just a vector yeah. for my hot sauce. It's the same thing with sweetness, man. Like, yeah. they're exactly yeah. the same thing. Your palate gets trained to crave these things, and it dulls the effects the more you have it. Um, so, we really, like, we're really trying to put out a product that has actual integrity, and that really is better for you. Right. It has the functional benefits, but, like, I always like to say this, and it's the most important thing. We have the cleanest ingredients in organic functional soda, period. Compare us to anyone at the grocery store. Literally, like, take our panel, take someone else's panel. Usually there's a paragraph on the other one, and there's, like, a line on ours. Yeah, it's legit just carbonated water, awesome. cherry juice, organic hibiscus flour, blueberry juice for berry cherry. And that one has like yeah. the most ingredients. That, that one, because it's two juices. Right. Um, well, you went with berry cherry. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a lot. We'll lie. Um, and then there's the Rubyverse, how we built just like the brand elements, the idea of allowing people into our universe. Right. Um, and, you know, we've created a bunch of rabbit holes. And I, I don't know how many people actually go down our rabbit holes, but like what I always say at the end of the day is like, this is really hard. Like, right. this, is, this is a very hard business. You said it yourself, Tom, like, yeah. beverage is so freaking competitive. Totally. It's insane. So if we're not doing something that, like, makes us happy and turns us on internally as a team, we're probably not going to have that much fun doing this. 
So, like, there's a lot of stupid stuff we put out. Like, I don't know how many people know about our intergalactic radio station, Mom Radio, Mysteries of Matter Radio. Um, but it's awesome Dear that we I did it. <laughs> and we did it, like, Jacques Green did our first episode. Yeah, like, well, we that's had the, crazy. Like, an amazing DJ. Sam Harris from the, the rock group uh, X Ambassadors did an episode for us. Like, right. we, don't, we don't half-ass when we put these totally. things out. Like, we really commit to, like, we want to be a value-add brand for our customers, but you have to work a little bit for it. Got it. Mm. So, I don't know if it's going to work really out for us or not, but <laughs> we have fun with it. <laughs> I love I the Rubyverse. Mm. All right, and then, I know, sort of on the flip side, you know, well, so first off, Ruby and Belgian boys, I think, are both, like function of functions of globalization, like obviously from Belgium, but also where you're sourcing all of these oh, yeah. these natural ingredients, and you know Ruby's had a lot of success taking like a futuristic uh, angle, um, and yet Belgian boys is sort of that inter intersection of like nostalgia but yeah. modernization, and so you know it, it's very interesting. Obviously, they're they're both seemingly winning hands, but can you talk about nostalgia and sort of like the evolution of the breakfast product as it pertains to Belgian boys? Yes, definitely. I mean, nostalgia, it's such a big word. And I think when I came to the US, um, like nostalgia for me was Belgium, right. right? It was those Belgium treats. And I was like, when we launched a brand, like people are gonna buy that because they wanna be remembered of the streets of Amsterdam when they traveled and they walked and they had the Belgian waffle um, in, in Antwerp or in Brussels. And over the years, we've understood that our consumer or most of our consumer has never been to Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> Some of our consumers. I've not. I've been. Oh. I've not. It's beautiful. I, I thought it was great when Anip yeah. was like, as you can tell from my accent, I'm from Belgium. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I, no, well, I said, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not from here. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Fair, and, fair. That's fair. And, uh, or you're really good at faking it, one or the other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been. So I said, uh, so I could see that they didn't know where Belgium is, it wasn't relating to them. Right. right? And that nostalgia that I had, you couldn't be that. You couldn't have that nostalgia. And so over the evolution over the years, what did our brand become? It's that comfort food. Why do people buy Belgian boys? Why do people buy our crepes, our pancake? Because it's just, you know, happiness. Right. It's quick, easy, delicious, yummy. And you don't need to think about it. And then how do we get to breakfast? Think about it. Our target audience are moms, young families. I didn't grow up here, but I hear my generation grew up eating Eggo waffles Eggos. and Pop-Tarts. Did you? Oh yeah, absolutely. You Toaster eating? strudels. All of the above. Yeah, oh yeah. Which was your favorite flavor, Pop-Tarts? Pop-Tarts? Um, probably the strawberry frosting. Yeah, it was for yeah. Yeah. strawberry. Yeah. It was definitely their best skew. <laughs> oh, well, do you still believe that today? What? I know I don't eat that. No. Okay, would, would you want to give that to your kids? No, no shot. No. Okay, so that's what we do, right? Our generation ate Eggo waffles and Pop-Tarts, but that's not what our generation will want to give our kids. We want to give them Belgium. Yeah, that's so true. And think about it. That first hour in the day, I have two kids. Oh my God, it's so freaking stressful because you have to get dressed. The kids have to get dressed. You're like, where's the backpack? I need to do the lunchbox. Something spills. What we have for breakfast is not something I want to think about. Like. And I don't know what you both eat for breakfast in the morning, but it's probably a version of the same thing 
every single day, totally. right? Unlike dinner or lunch where you can go Monday pasta, Tuesday tacos, Wednesday pizza, I don't know. You're not going to do Monday acai bowl, Tuesday pancake, Wednesday cereal. Yeah, like, streamline. Done, right? It's the most habit-driven meal of the day. And so we That's are. So interesting. And so we have the ability to really get into the consumer lives on a weekly basis and be that staple item in the refrigerator that just comes back. And that's really where we found our, um, our sweet spot to really be that solution for our consumer. Yeah, and I don't know if this was intentional design or you sort of walked into it, but you think of like LTV and stuff, when people are so regimented in like a, and honestly probably the same with beverage too, if I'm being honest, where like you like something, you like it, you're not really deviating it mm -hmm. from it too much. Right, <laughs> right. And I think, you know, we have also our cookies. Right. Our cookies play, play a different role in our assortment because even if you're very brand loyal, it's not like you're gonna eat the same cookie every single day of your your life, right? You're gonna it's gonna be in your pantry. You're gonna want one time this brand, one time that brand. I crave like chocolate. I crave like sugar, uh, yeah. like raspberry or whatever. Totally. But with our crepes, pancakes. That's where the consumer like I like. You know, you can also control. Yeah. You can't control your kids' day, but you can control that first hour of their day. And I want to make sure my kids. Right. with a smile yeah right? oh, I love it and <laughs> I'm able to yeah. and you got the sweets too you can get them you get them later in the day too yeah you put it in the sure. lunchbox um all right no so Jingao from Fly by Jinx also on the show she recently retired her frozen dumpling skew mm -hmm. and she did it in a pretty hilarious like breakup post uh we call it a conscious uncoupling which I, th <laughs> which I thought was hilarious and, like you know something like a celebrity PR agent would would put out um but you, Ruby started as a still line of hibiscus yeah. water, and fast forward to today, you're discontinuing that line, leaning further into functional sparkling beverage. I think you know it's a good lesson in consumer feedback and just following the data, and, and obviously the leadership strength to make those decisions uh, when you need to make them. But um, how did you make those uncomfortable decisions? Maybe it wasn't even that uncomfortable, to be honest. Maybe it was like a, a glaring one you were excited to make. But but take us through what led to that decision. Yeah. I, I wasn't an uncomfortable one, is the good news. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of brought this up before, where it's like, whether it's Twitter CPG, or whether it's your friends, or whether it's whoever, like, that represents a drop in the bucket of the opportunity that is mass at grocery. Um, so you have to be hyper nimble, in my opinion, and iterate based on what they're telling you. Right. Not only them, but the market at large too. Where's the growth coming from? Where's the opportunity? But we, we do a ton of field marketing. Like, that's our number one marketing channel, period. Oh, we, we're going to get to that. Yeah, You're a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. I am a psychopath, <laughs> very sincerely. But, like, I don't, I don't tell people when I'm demoing that I'm the founder of the company. Because I want them to be honest with me. Right. You're and just like, assume, oh, dude, I'm like some just... Well, I don't say anything. College they they assume. They yeah, assume yeah, that yeah. I'm whatever I am. And, um, but then like, there are a few times. I mean, some people have said some horrible things to me. And I'm like, <laughs> well, it's my company. And then they'll be like... Oh, uh, keep chugging, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but again, like consumers don't lie to you. Like right. they're they're going to tell you exactly what they think of your product, and it's up to you as the founder to listen or not. Um, I, I think anyone that puts out one product and is like, "This is it," unless they've won the lottery, 
yeah. they're they're insane. No like again, even we're we're not done iterating. Like we're gonna keep changing our can label. To your point, we need to actually start educating better on the functionality of our product. We don't do a, a good enough job of that right now. Yeah. So we're working on a new label already. Two years in, like I like to say, like we've done nine SKUs in two years. Uh, now four of those were still, and those are gone now. But like the can label has probably had three or four iterations since we launched it one year ago. Like you have to keep changing. Totally. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I don't find any discomfort. Like all, all it says to me is progress and it shows evolution and that we are listening to our customers, which is a really hard thing to do. Like I, I, I do believe a lot of people don't demo because they're scared of hearing from their consumers what they actually think of their product. Cause it's not, it's not fun. That yeah. part ain't fun. I remember when we got discontinued the first time, I was like so, there was an embarrassment about it, right? And maybe I was younger or so, um, and I was embarrassed and I was like, oh, no, it's gonna ruin the story, it's gonna ruin the numbers. And I look back at that and I'm like, what, like, what the hell were we thinking? It was the wrong aisle, the wrong shelf, too much stores, the wrong product. It just made zero sense. Our cookies were at the bottom shelf of the cereal aisle because they wanted to make, um, the retailer wanted to make breakfast, like waffles, cookies. Yeah. Didn't make sense. But I remember it being like such a embarrassment. And I look back at it now and I'm like, such a good lesson, right? And I wouldn't be here had I not gone through that. So yeah, the consumer, for sure, you take the consumer feedback, but sometimes it's also about the learnings that you get through it and similar we actually just discontinued our dessert lines because it wasn't the right thing to do for our company yeah. and we had to wait to it. we launched seven flavors at yeah. once it was just not the right thing to do and it's about saying okay like that was not the right thing to do and it's okay i i think the analogy i would draw at least from like you know i'm also in this founder ecosystem obviously in a, in a little bit of a different lane but I remember having to like fire our first employees and being like mm. so upset with myself. Mm. Like you made the wrong decisions. You didn't like vet them for enough. Like you're playing with people's lives. Like I, you know, it emotionally devastated me. But I do think as you mature and you grow, the equation sort of becomes either you make the tough decision that needs to be made and you save the business and create the most amount of jobs for the most amount of people, and like this gets a chance to become something that like, you know can employ th thousands of people, or you you can't step up to the plate in those hard decisions or you didn't follow the data and what it was telling you. And um, yeah, I don't know, it's, I think you make a really good point of just like, as it probably just keeps getting easier and easier and easier, so. Yeah. The Pancake Cereal Launcher Nook uh, from For You page to IRL. Can you first describe, I guess, what the viral trend was and then how you're able to bring this product to life? Yes, definitely. So remember in the pandemic when um, people were at home and there were like a bunch of things going viral, like we're baking sourdough bread from scratch. Yeah, yeah. And the Google search trends for like how to bake bread were Right, so everyone insane. was like at home and baking and cooking and enjoying this extra time that we now have. And so there was this woman, her name is Sydney, and she was making pancakes in the morning and she had extra batter left, but there wasn't enough batter to make a pancakes. So she made like tiny, tiny, tiny one on a griddle. And then she's like, oh, this is so cute. Let me put it in a bowl and eat it as if it's cereal. Named it pancake cereal. 
and it went viral on TikTok. So there's 1.7 billion views Jesus on TikTok. How many people are there in the world? Like eight, eight billion. billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot <laughs> so of like a, a, a pretty good population. Yeah. So this, I guess, and. So many people started doing the trend, like pancake cereal, making tiny one with like a tiny ladle, turning them on and like uh, making them with colors and really just enjoying pancake with, uh, as if it's cereal with like maple, maple syrup or with uh, milk. And what we saw was people spending a lot of time to make pancakes. Because everyone was like, love this trend, but it took me two hours, I'm never doing this again <laughs> right. in my life. So we pride ourselves by making things quick and easy and delicious. And Greg, who's our, I mean, I love my husband, shout out to Greg. Um, but he's so, so good at what he does. Literally, he is the innovator of the brand. He's the visionary entrepreneur. And his passion is product innovation, product development. He's like, I can do this. I'm going to do this and we're going to commercialize it. And so we did. And so we revived the trend and we launched it at Target uh, in February. And it literally went from your for, for You page, FYP, to IRL. I feel like that I cannot pull off those three. Those you did great. I, I, I believed it. Yeah, I understood yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll let that go. The first time our, our team was like, F I, uh, well, for FYP, IRL, I was like, are you sure people are gonna get this? Um, but I think it's, I'm super proud of what we've achieved there because I think, you know, you think about innovation and innovation in our industry mostly is like about flavors. Maybe you launch in an adjacent category. Right. That's pretty cool. It's kind of expected, but it's really cool. And what we did was take a trend on TikTok and brought it to life. And I don't think that's been done or done yet. And it was really amazing to see the feedback. It exceeded, honestly, any expectation I had, wow, both so from cool. industry and the consumer. They were just like, I mean, I had like our accountant sent me a, a, te a text. He's like his daughter was like, 13 yeah, years old. Like, oh my it. god, I saw this on TikTok and they made it real. And oh my god, and like, it's like, you know, our account. I'm sure you're gonna get so much earned media too. It's right. like, it's back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank god. It was, and, and it tastes so freaking good. Like, the reviews blew, blew, me, blew my mind away. It was just, the products just taste phenomenal. How, how soon after the trend? did you start like actively thinking of it as a brand, as a product? So Greg like told me and he was like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> like, you know Greg right when he saw it. Right. Um, and uh, he convinced, I guess, the organization, like, let's do it. And in the beginning I was like, no. And then you start thinking about it. You start designing it and you start to see that this could actually work. Um, but it really exceeded any expectations uh, we had. Awesome. All right, how you guys doing? We're, we're at the next stop. So. We're, oh, oh. We're at the next stop. Ooh. Here we go. One thing that I think is particularly interesting, like I have a co-founder, I know obviously built Belgian Boys along her now husband. Um, and you're solo founder. It's a fact. And yeah. I, one, I don't know how you do it. I think Max is like, we're so good at like this part. You can sense when they're like dragging and they need to be like grab by their shoulders and pick them up. But like, how have you just sort of managed working through building the business um, on your own? Like who do you go to when you need that support? Yeah, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> uh, it is, it's very difficult, but any, any business is. So 
Um, for me, I'm, I'm very good at keeping in touch with other founders. Anouk and I text on like probably a weekly basis, yeah. I would say. Wow. Get coffee I, on a monthly I basis. I really never get texts. I tell them okay. you're always looking for the money. It's not as. It's, uh, it's fine. We can cut it out, right, get Josh? We can cut it out. Truck. Keep it in. You keep it in this podcast. Um, Sandro from Sanzo, who we all uh, know best. and love. Like, Sandro and I are texting constantly. Me and Whitney over at Swoon. Tommy oh, over at Sound. One. Like, literally, like, and Sandra is a solo founder, so he he and I definitely get to lament and fetch all the time. Mm. Um, and and Katie Wilson, another solo founder over oh, at Belly Willie, yeah, Katie's the best. Belly she's Willy. also, oh, and she's also yeah. with her husband. Is she? Yeah, 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 with her husband. Right? Yeah. yeah, but uh, so for me, it's like it's it's talk to friends and and get tips from mm. them. And there have been a many a time where I've sat down with a nook for coffee and been like, this is it, I'm done. I'm done. It looks like you're not done yet. No, and I'm like, yet. but I, I am, right? And she's like, nope, not yet. And I'm like, God damn it. I guess I'm not done yet. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, and it's important to check in with each other because, again, like, what I say about this being hard is is true. Like, it, it doesn't matter if it's beverage or, but it's worse than beverage. But it doesn't matter if it's <laughs> beverage or snacks or anything. It's, it's really, really difficult. So, you know, especially when I meet a new founder, um, what I'll tell them is like, this is my cell number. If, if you're just having a bad day, text me. Like, cause it happens. And like, I'm here to tell you, I'm probably having a bad day too. But like, because we both are, we can feel good about that. That it's not just you, you're not right. alone. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's key. Just maintaining a network of people who I trust and I can look to for advice as well. Yeah, and we all came from other industries. I mean, yeah. I think something that's very clear is there's nothing like this community of people. Yeah. I, I yeah. it's actually like night and day. I remember, you know, weaving my way through corporate America and like as each rung you got up it got more and more toxic. But I mean everyone the coolest part and especially in New York, I think specifically, there's so many people that are in this game with us and everyone's first response is just like, How can I help? Who can I introduce right. you to? And it's it's one of the most rewarding and satisfying things. But and look, do you have any mentors or, or people that you have in your core circle that you turn to? Well, this is one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, so much what Noah said. Like, you need, you have, it's like such a roller coaster. You want to celebrate with someone on the highs, and you need somebody to be like, I get you. And someone like, yeah, this freaking sucks. Like, and if you're not in TBG, you don't get it like because right. it, it's not like you can call your friends I mean you can and I have amazing friends but it's like oh again with Belgian boys and like they support they love right. and they're biggest cheerleaders but like I talk about like investor and this and this, like, okay okay <laughs> what tell me something else right like right. but your CPG community they get it um, other mentors I mean I have amazing friends in the industry. Denise from Partick, she's my like bestie, I uh, love her. Um, and then I'm, I'm grateful to have amazing investors. So our, my biggest role model, I want to say, became our investor, Daniel Lubetsky from Kind. And that's like a pinch me moment. I, I met him too. at Expo, right? He's like the kindest human <laughs> yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. So smart, his whole team is just really, really great people. and. It's someone to look up to and to ask and just have open conversation. What do you think about it? And you can't do it without that support system. And yeah, I work with my husband. I have that. He's my rock, but I also have my CPG friends. And I really think that with some, it became like, 
year one, um, like real friendships, yeah. right? Not only like, like, what are you doing and what you're doing tonight and totally. things like that. I remember when we were starting, I, you know, I was new to the CPG scene and it definitely started with like an explicit sales agenda. I was like, oh, I'm going to like meet brand founders to sell them. And very quickly it became actually just like, these are the people that get what I'm going through, understand how difficult this is, um, want to find ways to be helpful. And, and now like we still go to those events, but you won't hear me talking about you know, like you should work with us, like ever. And right. so it's really, I mean, there's nothing like, I think the CPG community, I think we'd all agree. Over 7,000 customers like Pet Lab, Chamberlain Coffee, Hero Cosmetics, Spike Ball, Dossier, TB12, Pit Viper, 100 Thieves. Tens of millions of packages shipped every year. 50 plus fulfillment centers across the US, Canada, UK, Europe, and Australia. An app store with 50 plus integrations like Shopify, Amazon, NetSuite, and many more. Managed inventory distribution, D to C and B to B fulfillment capabilities, 99.96% of order shipping on time, 99.95% order accuracy rate. Yep, we're talking about ShipHop again. We know picking a fulfillment partner or 3PL is not easy. And equally importantly, we know you never want to have to move or pick another one. That's why we partnered with ShipHop. From zero to 100 million in sales, ShipHop has you covered. All right, we are getting to stop number three on the route some brand intersection questions that I'd love to dive in with you guys. Um, so the first one, I sort of want to talk about the evolution from D2C to retail and how that has changed how you guys operate your respective businesses. Um, so I think start with where your product sold today as like, you know, plug yourselves. And um, how have you had to sort of just like adjust your organization to reflect what is honestly like a fundamentally different operating model? Do you want to go <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to. Go for it. Um, we, we've been retail first from the get-go, period. Like our, our pre-launch partner was Whole Foods and Foxtrot, and we've been expanding those relationships since. You know, we're in four regions of Whole Foods now. We're in Fairway Westside Market all over the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic, and I kind of say that we're up and down the East Coast and parts of Texas now. We opened up the West Coast last year. But I think we made the strategic decision this year to really kind of let the gas off there. Again, it, it is that mentality of like making some of the hard strategic decisions totally. so that you're not throwing good money after bad because New York City is expensive enough. You throw LA into the equation, separate side of the country. Comes hard just, to support. It's extremely hard to support and it's extremely expensive to support when there's so much unrealized opportunity. Even in, if we just did the Northeast, there's literally tens of millions of dollars to be found in revenue just in the Northeast. Right. We're expanding that to the entire East Coast plus Texas. So even then, we're a team of four. Like we're tiny. Um, so it's about being hyper focused. Yeah, yeah, man. Dude, yeah. you're a magician. I don't I, know how the hell you do that. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> oh my we, we keep it lean. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we're. I mean, like retail has always been a focus. We have direct consumer on Ruby Fun. We have Amazon. We honestly push more people to Amazon than we do our website because right. the fact is fish where the fish are. Yeah. People are on a site mm -hmm. with the intent to engage and buy, so I'd rather capture them there than try to pull them to their web experience. Um, yeah, but that's us. Yeah. Anna, how about you? So we also are retail first. Uh, we started the business in 2015, um, and we, I guess, similar we went from like New York bodegas and we're just with our car in the beginning um, going around and 
we then really brought in retailers' specialty. Today we're in mass retail, uh, Target, Walmart, Costco, Whole Foods. Um, I'm still like, wait, what? How did that happen? <laughs> um, we were a team of five before the pandemic in 2020. And actually, that's when we got the FOMO about DTC because we're like, oh my God, everyone's going to buy online now and we didn't have any. So we just like bleached the garage and started doing our own DTC orders. Um, Greg and I at night, I don't know, thousands of orders in the pandemic. And I say the FOMO because it really was a FOMO. I could see like that our consumer wanted to buy us. I yeah. could see all these. It's like, it's, it's justified FOMO. Right, that there was all this hype about amazing DTC brands like Magic Spoon, like Gabby's amazing. What he's built there is like super inspiring. And fast forward three years later, our consumer just doesn't shop. We actually shut down our own website in um, January. So literally three months ago. Reason being, if you think about your consumer experience, okay, first of all, we weren't making money with it. Second of all, our consumer, like think about this, you buy this, for it to make sense for me to sell it online, I need to sell like a bundle of 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. the, ship, the shipping is... Yep. Yeah, the shipping, you. but then... Are you cold, Where you cold, cold, cold storage? storage. Yeah. Cold storage is yeah, yeah. such a complicated game. So complicated, but not only that, you get 10 of these at home. Where the hell do you put them? <laughs> like it doesn't even fit in your fridge. And so we're like, we're supposed, then it get to their door, it was hot, you need to reship complaints. Like honestly, we weren't doing a favor, not to our consumer, not to our company. And we decided, you know, our consumer wants to buy it as an incrementality to the eggs, to the yogurt, to the, 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 the milk, to the dairy set where we merchandise in retail. We launched, we pioneering a category, refrigerated breakfast. That's the experience that we want to give our consumer. And our consumer was actually having not a such so great, so great experience buying on our website. And we made that decision. Is it the right one? I'll tell you in two or three years. <laughs> right. This next question is sort of an extension, and, and now you touched on it, and I also want to make we, sure we talk about like the evolution from freezer, freezer yeah. to fridge. But um, you know, you guys operate retail first businesses, and I'm curious how you think about supporting so many doors. And no, I think you had mm. some good insight. Like when people are like, "Yeah, I got into Whole Foods nationwide," it's like not sometimes it's like not something to be excited about. Yeah. Um, mm. Sometimes you don't always get that choice, right? Um, but supporting so many different stores and so many different retailers that have different demographics with different like consumers, like how do you guys think about supporting s so broadly? And I think, no, I, I definitely want to talk about demoing and, and Anouk, I think what you unlocked with the transition from uh, frozen to fridge is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. So please, I would love to, to hear you guys speak to that. I'm making you go first this time. Hey. I always go first. We're, we're mixing okay, it up. Okay, let's mix <laughs> it. We're mixing it up. Let's mix it up. Let's go. Um, well, okay, so I, Greg and I come, and it's our first meeting as a retailer, and we show crepes, pancakes, waffles, and we're like, this is frozen breakfast. And I look at Greg and I'm like, what the hell is frozen breakfast? Like, I come from Europe. There is no frozen breakfast, right? Think about it. Breakfast. You eat it every single day. Where do you buy breakfast food in the stores? You buy eggs, you buy milk, you buy yogurt. Americans buy orange juice in the morning. So it's all refrigerated, right? Yeah. So why do you make people walk all across the store to buy complimentary items to that and stock up in your freezer on an item you're going to eat every single day? Like it literally makes zero sense. 
So Greg and I were like, we're gonna bring it to a refrigerator. And people told us, you guys are crazy. No one's ever gonna do that. I mean, we've been in business since 2015, and we actually went to frozen breakfast. And we were actually doing great there. Buyers were happy, our velocity was contributing growth to the set. But deep in our gut, we were like, our mission, our, our, what we can do best at, what we can be best at in the world is ma making European foods mainstream. And for us, that's not only better product, better ingredient, the taste, it's right. also about the experience. It's about how the consumer shops. In Europe, that's refrigerated. It's about how the consumer enjoys, you know, in America, people walk with their coffee very, very fast. And like, I mean, we're in New York, right? In Europe, we sit down, we have a cookie, we enjoy it with a, we have a coffee with a cookie, we sit down, we chill, like when we grab coffee <laughs> and like, you know, take five minutes, enjoy your day, it's fine, nothing's gonna happen. Anyway, we now, in 2019, we had the opportunity um, at Walmart to test the refrigerated breakfast and we, were, we tested in 65 stores, it exceeded any expectations, we matched our Walmart velocities with Whole Foods frozen velocities, which in our industry for a young emerging brand is not common, right? right? And so from that we grew Walmart in since 2019, so in four years to close to a thousand doors. We launched at Target, we launched at Whole Foods, we launched at Meyer, we launched at Kroger. So many retailers were now um, releasing case studies about refrigerated breakfast category, captaining that and really pioneering the way the consumer will shop. I believe there's going to be lots of innovation um, in this set that we're creating that breakfast destination in right. the store. And I'm super excited about having that growth and what it's going to do in the, the next, uh, next few years. It's really, you know, for all the no's that I got, um, How did you get them to take that? Because clearly, you know, you're looking at hindsight's 2020. You were right. It, like, yeah. clearly, not only, in, yeah, it's partially like, yeah, I'm trying to make, move my brand forward, but also, they're just trying, you know, the retailer's trying to move product and get the most amount of sales possible. Right. right. Well, I think, you know, sometimes you're trying to invent something, right? And you're like, you're trying to invent something to create brand equity, like, let me get secondary placement somewhere and that will be bring more revenue. Right. In our case, we were just bringing something that is a proven concept in Europe. Like that's the way the consumer shops in Europe. And we believe that it's going to work here as well. It really makes sense. It's not a trend, right? Again, would it work? It could have been a complete flop as well, but we wanted to prove it and the velocities. Um, the incrementality, really, that's where we see it works. And, you know, to your point, I do remember being in the, the frozen set and it was always about, okay, promotion here, demo here. Like, really, right. we needed to educate the consumer. And where we're at right now, we're finding that our biggest marketing tactic is just merchandising. When yeah, we're on probably, the you shelf... You figure it out because the adjacency. Right. Yeah. It's so, like, our consumer in their basket, you find eggs, strawberry, Nutella, Lucky Charm, and Tropicana OJ. And I'm like, wait, what? That's, That's so our funny. consumer. Um, and then when you understand who your consumer is, you really understand what it is that you need to be doing. And for us, that's just putting it on the shelf, making it look pretty in pink, 
and it comes off the shelf. Right. And I think when you find that sweet spot, what works, you just go for it. Totally. Noah, you, uh, <clears throat> you're unlike anyone I've ever met in the context of retail support in that, correct me if wrong, every Ruby knot needs to do demos each week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have one in the south right now doing two or three demos a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so talk about retail support and your strategy. I think it's probably obviously to support sales, but it's also sips on lips and it's also just like probably learning from your consumer. Yeah. So just talk about how like how did you get into that practice? Why did you get into that practice? And obviously you've made it part of the culture of the company. Yeah. So I'd love to just hear you speak about the importance of it to your brand. Yeah, they're they're like taking a step back, which is even more important almost, is like how how long has Belgian Boys been around? We started in twenty fifteen, so like eight, eight years. years. Yeah, eight yeah, years. yeah, eight years. We've learned a lot. Brand penetration takes years. Time. It takes Time. years and years. I think yeah. a lot of people like I remember in 2016, Spindrift was everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, look at this new brand that just launched this year as a consumer. Yeah. But Spindrift had been around since I think 2008. Wow, By that, that time. I mean, Vita Coco, Coconut Water, the same. It, it hit brand penetration probably in 2011, 2012, where it was everywhere. Mm -hmm. But both Zico and Vita Coco were started usually around, I think, 2000 or 2001. Yeah. I, I think that certainly myself as a founder getting into the industry, we don't fully understand the time metric that is required for brand penetration for that pickup rate. To right. create the mentality that a consumer comes in with education on who you are and the knowledge to know I'm going to buy that thing. So a, a lot of people, I think, are assuming that just by being on shelf, people will grab it. And that's, I, I, I I think that's a fallacy. I don't think that's real. I think that's where a lot of people chase door growth, which can be dangerous. And it goes to a Nook's yes. point on like totally. Endures, where it's like, I've got Whole Foods National. Like, yeah, sick, dude. I crushed it. Talk to you in three months yeah. during the reset. Well, maybe. Look, again, some people have a fantastic time of it. And, and it is up for the founder to take a step back and be like, how well-funded am I? Right. What's my strategy mm -hmm. in these locations to make sure that I actually am flying off the shelf? I remember like, we got Whole Foods Northeast pre-launch. That was 50 locations pre-launch in the Northeast. And at first you're like, I got that. 50 doors, we good. And then you're like, well, only 13 of those doors are in New York City. And you're like, what is Morristown, New Jersey? <laughs> like, what is Morristown? What's, what's West Orange? What's West Orange? <laughs> I don't know anyone in these places. Why are people gonna buy my product? So again, like my, my whole mentality is it's not up for you to assume that the consumer knows why they need to buy you. You need to help educate that, educate them and explain. What we keep challenging ourselves with every single day is how we can create an aura. Because the fact is like on a good day, a great demo will sell 100 units. And that's normal for us. But if we actually start taking a step back and we say maybe we're doing some BOGOs on this, maybe someone bought a mix case, we spend three hours to sell 25 customers on our product. That's not a good use of time. So how can we do it better? Mm -hmm. And how can we assure that one of those 25 is gonna be compound value for us right. week over week? Right. And that's always the mental model we're trying to challenge ourselves with when we're doing these demos from here on. Yeah. And it's not easy. Yeah. I think also to time, yes, it takes time to build a brand, but as the business and the company, you, it takes time to make mistakes and to understand yeah. the still water, right? Like, 
you did it, you understood something else, and you, you went somewhere else. And like, you can't do that. You can't assume that the first product you're gonna launch is going to be, I mean, some people have success, like, immediately, but I think most of the story is like, years and years and years, like, refrigerated, we started in 2015, the first refrigerated breakfast, I think 2018 at Costco, and then 2019, mass retailer. Four or five years into the business, it takes time to get there. Yeah. Yeah. The other part, and like, you're, you're in a different stage, period. But like, a lot of the founders at my stage, I'm just like, what's everyone doing? What's everyone doing with their day? Because I'm like, you know, we know the doors we need to go after, like, and if we're going at them. We know what the re review cycles are like. They're on a quarterly basis, totally. so you get like right. maybe a week, and you prep all your stuff. But like otherwise, like what, what's everyone doing? It's like that's why I demo all the time too. Where I'm like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do right oh now. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing really to do. Like I really, I need to be in store selling this stuff because otherwise, oh what? I'm like, I'm gonna send emails. That's not gonna sell my product. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know, I, those are conversations I keep having with people. I'm like, what? Are you, how many? How what do many? you do? What is? What is it you're doing all day? Because I, I want to know what I'm not doing. <laughs> it's confusing. Like, how many? How many demos have you done? Hundreds. Hundreds. Uh, the guy's yeah, nuts. Yeah. Easily hundreds. I think we should count. Like, I, I, should, I could go on my count. Yeah, 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 hundreds yeah, is the easy answer. It's, it's definitely hundreds. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we quick quick final question on this stop, and I know it's a hard one to keep short, but. Um, what's the dream for Belgian Boys and Ruby, respectively? Oh, you can go first on that one. Well, I get to go first? Go so the dream for Belgian Boys. <laughs> yeah. um, the dream for Ruby. You know, I don't know. And it's, it's a good question. Um, and it's one I probably should have asked myself more of when I started the business, very I sincerely. Know, I don't know the answer. Yeah, either. I don't either. <laughs> and I, I met with a founder who I really respect, and their business is leaps and bounds ahead of me. I mean, they are, they are the prime example of a beverage company right now in the emerging category. They're amazing. And he told me, he was like, we we have never thought about acquisition. We don't build with acquisition in mind. I think it's dangerous if you do. Mm -hmm. It can be. Um, but he was like, hey, the one thing he shared with me, which was really helpful for me in that moment, was like, this is a privilege. Like, not everyone gets to start their own company. It's a privilege. Like, remember totally. how lucky you are every day. Got that, um, got that mantra tatted. Yeah, I love that, man. It's real. Um, but the other thing was, again, that like he, he doesn't think about business that way. But it's like, we just need to keep doing what we do. He said, again, it, one model is you can grow for acquisition, and that's growth at all costs. Right. But you can take a step back and ask yourself, like, do you want to build a business that does $10 million in revenue annually without the mentality of growth? And that $10 million will be profitable you're going to figure out how to hack 10 million in revenue annually in a profitable way. And that that's really exciting to me. Because again, I, at the beginning of the year, I started, the playbook changed this year. I think we all know, like going back to the totally. joke of like, what the hell is going on right now from yeah. a macroeconomic <laughs> environment? Like yeah. the playbook changed. It's not growth at all costs. Every single investor meeting is going to be what's your path to profitability if you're not profitable already. Um, and that's a good question. Like the playbook prior to was burn as much money as you possibly can to get to $50 million in revenue and really show that there's a round the corner profitability and maybe you'll get acquired then. Right. And that's not a good business. 
Yeah. Like that's not how a business should be run. So it's an interesting time to take a step back and challenge yourself with that. So to your question, I don't have the answer right now. Like that's something we're talking about internally. Yeah. But you know. For me, listen. I feel She's very like, I'm going to burn as much money to get to 50 million oh revenue. Oh my god! No, no, I'm not like that. It's, it's bad. It's going to be a happiness. Yeah. <laughs> See? He Strong. Wait, well, listen. Honestly, I feel really, really lucky and blessed. I mean, I, I'm in a position where I get to work with my husband. I get to be surrounded by freaking amazing people. They're so smart. I love my team. I love my advisor. I get to hang out with this guy, hmm. and like. I love what I do, right? I read this book from Simon Sinek, in Infinite Game, changed my, my life and my perception about everything. It's about the concept of in life, there's two games, two different games. There's finite games and infinite games. Finite game, think about like basketball, soccer. Right. Um, there's two teams, there's maybe many teams. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. At the end, there's one loser, there's one winner, right? And everyone knows the rule, everyone agrees. That's what it is. Okay, in business and in life, relationships, there's no winning, right? Like what, and, and I think as business leaders, we talk about winning, 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 winning. What does winning mean? You have competitors, but you don't know when they get into the game. You have no control. Winning for, for, for you might be this, winning for me might be this. So it's not like at the end, and there are a lot of goals. There's milestones, there's wins along the way, but it's not like at the end someone goes like, Here's your trophy, you won, right? Like, and yes, to your point, like, you know, the first million dollar, the first EBITDA dollar, like that's a good one, right? Yeah. Let's get there. <laughs> um, and, and then, I don't know, acquisition, IPO, but it's not like at the end you won. Right. So what is success, right? For me, success is having an amazing journey. I love what I do today. I have no clue how to run a company tomorrow's days old, right? I know yesterday days old, right? Tomorrow is a challenge and an opportunity to learn more, to grow, to chill out with you guys in a glass truck in the middle <laughs> of New York and have an amazing conversation, right? Yeah. I'm with you. And I love that. I love that I can have this, like it's part of my life. It's part of my journey. We're, we're sparking joy for our consumer, which in my opinion is like an amazing thing to do. And we're building this brand that has global, how do you say it? I know, appeal. Global appeal to it. Yeah. And yeah, I think for Belgium, like Belgian boys will live on, hopefully that's my dream, for Belgian boys to live on after I'm gone, right? Mm. After I'm, oh, this is morbid. But no, yeah. that's the infinite game. Right, think about like Pepsi celebrated 125 years. Right, those people this aren't week, still around. Right, like <laughs> the founder of Pepsi is no longer here, the, the, yeah. but the brand lives on. Joys yeah. of the journey, that's, that's success to me. Yeah, I think um, there's a quote I've always loved that uh, one life, one day life is going to flash before your eyes, make sure it's worth watching. I always mm. thought that was always a good mantra to live by. We sold $6 million our first year and did $80 million in sales last year. That's what the COO of Adventure Challenge, a longtime customer of ShipHob's, shared with ShipHob the other day. The pace of growth for Adventure Challenge has been insane, but it wasn't all positive. It started with a failed crowdfunding project. Then investors assured them that their business would fail. They raised $0 in outside capital. And it somehow only took a few years to hit $80 million in sales. They started off fulfilling all orders themselves. They'd have U-Hauls packed with thousands of products, making endless trips from their storage unit to the post office. 
It was not scalable. It was definitely hurting their growth. It definitely wasn't fun. That's when ShipOb started their partnership with Adventure Challenge. By being able to focus on growing the business and product development, sales took off like a rocket ship. While Adventure Challenge initially focused on D2C sales, their popularity started driving other conversations. They started to stock several hundred smaller boutiques across the country, then Francesca's, then Kohl's. And while they're based in California and most of their customers are in the US, the word of mouth and viral videos on TikTok and Instagram started driving demand around the world. So then they started filling orders out of Canada, and then the UK, and now Australia. From a failed Kickstarter and getting $0 in outside investment on day one to over $80 million in revenue, Adventure Challenge has defied the odds and built a global powerhouse brand alongside their partnership with ShipOb, who's there to help you completely unlock your brand's growth. Read the entire story at shipob.com forward slash adventure dash challenge. So we're at stop number four on today's route. It's a game called The Hot Box, uh, cleverly named after sort of like the hot seat, but it's going to be a this or that game. Um, So I'm going to ask you, you know, A or B, and we'll have a no answer first, and then Noah, you answer right after her. And the goal is to try to do it sort of like quick, so you don't get to think about it too much. Beach house or ski house? Beach house. Beach house. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Oh my god. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sunset. D D two C or D T C? Retail. (laughs) (laughs) Neat or messy? Um, neat. Messy. Corgi or golden retriever? Golden. Both. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Winter or summer? Summer. Summer. Tennis or golf? Tennis. Tennis. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? I'm European. I'm not eating that. Pineapple pizza. (laughs) Uh, Live music or DJ? Live. DJ. Advertisement or advertisement? Second. (laughs) I don't even... Advertisement. (laughs) Live in space or underwater? Oh, live in space, like up in the freaking up in space. Right. Uh, underwater. We got a whole. This yeah. thing has like I a layer. Oh, it's, it's hibiscus water, and yes, it's part of space. But look, yeah. all right. I thought it was supposed to be my answer, guys, huh? All right. What about you? What about you? The Rubyverse. I think that's a fun place to live. Okay. In. All right. We'll we'll accept that. Fight one horse-sized duck or one thousand duck-sized horses. Horse-sized duck. Oh my god, I don't know, I'm like Easy imagining answer. stuff Easy here. answer I, for I me. I know it's his answer. Sweet snacks or salty snacks? Sweet snacks. Sweet snacks. Call, text, or audio notes? Text. Text. Reading or writing? Reading. Reading. Work remote or work on site? On site. Both. Do laundry or do the dishes? Neither. Neither. <laughs> You're supposed to pick one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Wow, really? Uh, dancing or people watching? People watching. Dancing. Yeah, I'm with you. Cocktails or beers? Cocktails. Cocktails. Jinx. Feel oh too hot God. or feel too cold? Feel too, too hot. Cold. You get one animal to protect you against a horde of zombies, gorilla or grizzly bear? Gri- gri- grizzly bear. It starts bear. with yeah, a G. Grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> Give up bread for life or cheese for life? Bread. Cheese. Air guitar or air drums? No, no, drums. It's drums for me. I think it's drums for me, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Air drums. All right, cool. Board game, board games or video games? Board games. Board games. You betting $50 on red or black? Red. It's red. I'm just wondering about the psychology of that. Yeah. No. Start early or leave late? Start early. Start early. Fiction or nonfiction? 
Non-fiction. Both. Where do you want to travel to next, Europe or Asia? Asia. I mean Asia, yeah. But Jamaica. Jamaica next week. Rich and famous or rich and anonymous? Rich and anonymous. anonymous. Playlist or podcast? Podcast. Both. I know I'm supposed to pick one, but I'm just being honest. That's right, that's right. Cardio or weight, weight training? Neither. Uh, cardio. Yeah. Pancakes or waffles? I played the fifth. <laughs> Belgian voice. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Speak to animals or speak ten languages? Ten languages. But it'd be so great to talk to my dog, Indy. I'm just like... Dude, those pigeons. Uh, probably ten languages. Pigeons out there. Ten languages. Ten, ten languages. languages. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Uh, telepathy or teleportation? Teleportation. Trucks or billboards? Don't fuck this. Trucks. Trucks. Trucks for sure. Trucks for the win! Alright, receive good news or bad news first? Bad news. Oh, first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bad news first. Alright, well the bad news is we are at our final stop. Aww. Hey! Nice segue! Look what Got he did! You. But guys, honestly, it means a lot. Thanks for joining me today. Um, want to give you guys a chance to plug yourselves so for people who are listening where can they find ruby where can they find belgian boys where can they uh follow up with you guys learn more about you guys and then um we're at i love it ruby at ruby for fun on instagram we're for sale at whole Foods, central market fairway west side market all over the east coast earth fair mom's organic but if you're just looking for something quick we're at amazon and direct consumer ruby.fun um, and Belgian Boys is available at Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, Meyer. You don't need to brag about it. Well, I can. No, I work hard for you it. You earned it. Um, and uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. And thank you so much. This yeah. was awesome. This was great. Thank you. And so, it was uh, so fun. I was so happy to be with this guy. Yeah, yeah, so, all right. Well, let's uh, let's go check out some of those places. Let's cool. go. Let's go.